think last time I talked, somebody said, you didn't even introduce yourself. No, you can't assume that. But anyway, I'm one of the elders here. Um, I was one of the youngers here in 1964 and mostly stayed ever since. So um, definitely feel at home. I've been a teacher uh, for most of my career at the school that's associated with the church, Pacific Bay. And, um, but most importantly, the most important thing about my identity is, is that I am the, these guys almost have the slide up. Like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Oh yeah, I've got to show you. Okay, so the world's most beautiful grandkids, unless you have some, I know. But that's Wesley and Catherine. Catherine's, about, Catherine's uh, dedication next Sunday, so we're going to go down and see them in uh, Fullerton. So I kind of was looking forward to this Sunday, but I'm especially looking forward to next. But um, anyway, they'll come up later in the message because I have to hit you with two doses of them. But um, Rob, uh, Rob's away this week, and, um, and I, I agreed to, uh, to bring a message. As a teacher, you know, you get a couple weeks off, so had to fill that with something. Um, but I hope this will be helpful to you as we enter 2020. Um, because I'm a teacher, not a preacher, the, the message might be a little weird, and I might ask you to do stuff. Is that okay? All right. All right, so, you know, it might feel like a class part of the time. It, Rob will be back next week. If you don't like it, just deal with it. Um, if, at one point, I'm going to ask you to stand up and like, talk to a neighbor about something or a couple neighbors, and you could be really neighborly and walk across the aisle at that point, or if, like, you just want to be a conscientious objector, just sit there and meditate. But we will stare at you. All right, so if that's okay, everybody good with little participatory stuff? Okay. Well, let's begin. We'll do the first thing right off the bat by having a stand, and I'll ask you to pray with me for the message. All right. Is it up there, or we still have the babies? Baby. All right. Here we go. Yeah, and it is, there's a handout. It's on there, too, so you've got two ways to get it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, renew our minds. In these coming minutes together, give us deeper knowledge of your love for each member of your family and your joy in training and shaping each of your students. Prepare us to enter the new year as your darling children and as curious and joyful students of Jesus. Throughout this coming year, lead us by still waters. Restore our souls. Lead us in the paths of righteousness. Even if we walk in the valley of the shadow of death, fill us with your love. You are faithful and bring us through dark places in your tender and joyous embrace. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So uh, about 10 days ago at our, the last men's Bible study um, of, the, of, tw- of 2019, um, we're studying the book of Jonah. And the ideas I was having about what, what I was going to talk about this morning took a little bit of a left turn because of some things that I was hearing during the study that night. And um, I'd wanted to say something about resolutions and New Year resolutions and kind of reflect on what is it about like the way God made us that actually in some ways makes us kind of weak-willed and kind of bad at resolution and carrying out our resolutions. What is it about, what is it about our intentions and good intentions not being carried out effectively and we'll still go there, but it's now going to be kind of like 
I think if you saw the title slide for a second, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what's the deal with resolutions? Should we make them? Should we be people of planning and intention? Um, or should, is it more about God's intentions for us and let's tune into God's channel? Or, and then the third thing, and this is kind of where the study from Jonah ties in, you know, what has love got to do with it? And um, so that's where we're going. Uh, at the men's Bible study, uh, Steve was, was sharing at, at, at the table with some of us. We're just sitting at a table right over here. And, and um, he was sharing this experience about how some of the things from God's word had, had hit him and affected the way he was seeing, seeing God and seeing other people. And, and he nicely agreed to come up and do like a little interview testimony. So you get to hear it too. Is that cool? All right. So Steve, you ready? I'll give you. All right. Thank you. I got, we, we got a couple questions for him. Um, so Steve, how did the Jonah men's Bible study change the way you think about God and his love for people? Um, I would say the main, the main thing that, that it had me look at was um, how God's desire is to love other people even through my brokenness um, and my inability to be able to um, to love people the way that God does. You know, I, 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 I know and I've known for a while that um, that without God doing something in my heart, I don't have the ability to love people the way that he does, you know, because I put them, you know, in their little categories and, and you know, I, I judge people um, by how God has created the package on the outside and not on the inside. And, you know, there, there's just a lot of old ideas that, that um, God's been trying to change in me to be able to see people as he does and not, not by how they look on the outside. So you told us about an experience you had there where you, you did something maybe that was kind of unusual for you. Can you tell us about that experience? Um, yeah. Um, one of my old ideas is um, I've always been the type that figured, you know, you, 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 you fix yourself you don't ask for help. Um, if, if life is tough, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you fix whatever needs to be fixed. And in reality, you know, life doesn't always work that way. You know, um, you know I, one of the things that, that I really learned is that, um, you know, the way that, that, that Jonah looked at the Ninevites and, and God asked him, you know, or told him to go to them and, and share the good news with them. Um, you know, one of the things that, that really hit me in that is, is, is I forget that um, I'm one of those Ninevites, you know. Um, in the past, you know, because it's been a while. I've been walking with God for probably 20-some-odd years, and he's done a lot of, uh, of, of changes in my life. But, you know, there's times when I forget that, that I was that person that um, people didn't want to be around, um, I was that person that got in a lot of trouble. I was that person who got to go to jail. I was a person that was homeless. So a lot of society had written me off, you know. Um, and if it wasn't for God's grace, you know, what you see standing here now is not that person. You know, and I forget because it's been a while that, um, that I should give other people the same grace that God's given me. Um, wow. So. so you said something about 
What yeah. was it, Fairmont Shopping Center? Or? Yeah, uh, my honey and I we were up at uh, we were up at the uh, Safeway up in uh, up on Hickey, and uh, and I was walking by, and normally, you know, uh, I've done some work with with you know feeding the homeless and stuff in the past, you know, and and you know, and I would look at them, and, and I would copper resentment because they got cell phones. You know, I don't know where that comes from. Instead of having compassion, you know, I would judge and say, you know, you know thinking that they should be trying to do more for themselves or whatever, when in reality they might not have the ability. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, um, you know, I, we were walking into the store and I, I saw a young guy and a gal. They must have been 20, 21 maybe. You know, they were, they were really young. And, and they had this, they were just, he kind of like put his head on hers, you know, and they just, and, and for the first time, um, in reality, I think I felt God's heart because, you know, as soon as I saw that, it's like, oh, that, it, it hurt. You know, it hurt that they were God's children and they were there and they were homeless and they had all their stuff around them, bags and bags of stuff, you know, and that was their life. And, uh, you know, um, as I walked by, it's like something inside. It's like, uh, you know what? I want to get them something to eat. So uh, I told my, told Chris, he says, uh, we went over to the deli, and I actually, before I went in, I asked them, you know, what they want, and, you know, and they were really, um, no, whatever, anything's fine. Yeah. So I went in and got them a sandwich, got them some water, got them some dessert, you know, and, and, and when I brought it out to them, um, I wanted to say something to them, but I couldn't, because I knew if I did, I, I would lose it, you know, because I just felt, I felt sorry, not, not even sorry, I felt compassion for them, because they were God's children. You know, and then we went back in the store and did our thing. And, and as we were leaving, you know, um, Chris and I were talking. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I you know, because I, I guess, you know, part of me is, you know, I don't believe in giving people money that are homeless because of what they might do with it, which that's not, that's not really for me to say. But what I did was I got him a, a McDonald's gift card, you know, and, and, and that way I knew that they'd be fed because that's their basic need. And, um, you know, so it's like it's going to be interesting to see where God continues to take this. I'm not quite sure. Who knows? You know, hopefully I don't go back to my same old grumpy, you know, exercise. <laughs> but, uh, you know, ho hopefully his heart is, uh, is growing deeper in mine so that I have the ability to love people like he does. Anyway. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so Steve is sharing this at the table, and I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about this like this idea of resolution and planning and all this and like it didn't seem like there's anything to do with with that oh yeah that's yours all right thank you I really need this lady um she's gonna help out in a second too so um it just seemed like what had happened is that uh Steve had been he'd kind of immersed in God's word and God started speaking to him and then good actions just kind of flowed naturally out of that so that was kind of a curveball. I kind of had to go back to the scriptures and, think, and prayer and like, okay, so, so God, what do you want me to say about this? Because uh, I, I just didn't know. And, um, and then I was reading in Romans, and Romans 7 and 8, it's way too big a passage. I'm breaking all the preacher rules. We're going to read like way too many verses this morning. But um, it seems like it outlines this whole thing about the Apostle Paul admitting that he, he often had good intentions and wouldn't carry them out. And, 
and even describes himself as a wretched man. He's like, who's going to deliver me? And then he's, and then, anyway, I'm not going to tell the end of the story, but just a little teaser. Um, but it seemed like that passage totally put this together for me. So, um, so this is what I want to talk about today and what we'll read together about. But um, as you're thinking about, as you're thinking about that, I'd, I'd kind of like to at least ask you to consider making the, applying this a little in your own thoughts right off the bat, because I think, I think the message will affect you more if, if you start kind of thinking that way. So I want to do a, a thinking together thing. This is a, something we do in class uh, at school. And I'd just like you to take a minute uh, to think about something that God would really enjoy happening in your life in 2020. Rob on Christmas Eve mentioned <laughs> very powerfully that God has, is pleased with us. We're his children. He has pleasure in our lives. What's something that would, would just make God's heart warm in 2020 uh, in your life? So give that a minute. Now, if you're like me, you might have just come up with a crushing list. If you're like me, you might be like, okay, 2020 is going to be so tough. God's laying all this on me. But let me share some of my list, kind of like, I just kind of wrote stuff down quickly when I was preparing this and thinking about you going through the activity. And here's some stuff I came up with that would be really great. I think God would just be like, smiling and laughing and cheering me on if, if uh, some of this kind of stuff happens this year. Okay, so here's the, here's the part where you get to be a little more brave. So I want, like, in, in a couple of people or more, just, and if you don't want to do this, again, just feel free. You can just contemplate on this or whatever. Um, if you just stand and, and find a couple, another person or a couple people, and it could be a row behind you, in front of you, beside you, doesn't matter to me. And we're not in a hurry. And um, just stand up and uh, just one thing, one thing you're comfortable sharing on your list. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be saying any, you know, deep dark laundry, uh, cleaning right right now. Uh, we'll have communion later. Um, <laughs> you ready? Anyway, go ahead and do that. Stand up. And here, there's some instructions on the screen for how to do this. Um, almost. There we go. So stand, share one idea, greet each other with a holy fist, fist pump, and then there's a little script.
Oops. After everybody's had a chance to share, give each other a holy high five and um, have a seat. <laughs> or 10, whatever. It's easy to tell who the extroverts are. All right. I, I still sometimes uh, shake hands with people up a Boy Scout. It's not right. Yeah, it's a holy fist. I, I, I got to give you a holy fist bump. All right. All right, we're going to do the second prayer on the sheet in front of you. People like this activity. All right. I think we're I think we're okay. I think we're all right. You can. <clears throat> okay, so um, we're gonna pray a second prayer. This is a prayer of preparation for the passage that we're gonna be reading, and it's kind of based on the last part of the passage. So uh, let's read this together. You can stay in your seats. You're all worn out. Prayer number two. You could either read it from here or I think it's on the screen. Okay. All right, dear Father always near us. If you are for us, who can be against us? You who did not spare your own son, but delivered him up for us all. We trust you that with Jesus, you will freely give us all things. You will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet 
in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So the problem I mentioned earlier with, uh, that I have with carrying out resolutions, um, as it turns out, we see in the scripture that, uh, that I'm not the only one. Uh, <laughs> good company, if you have any problems carrying out good intentions, you mean to do it, but you don't. You don't mean to do it, but you do. Um, even the Apostle Paul talked about this. So Becky's going to read the beginning of the passage Romans seven fifteen to 24, and it'll be on the screen if you want to follow. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Let's close in prayer. No, (laughs) We, 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 we gotta go at least one section beyond that. All right, yeah. So do you ever wish God would just um, snap his fingers and fix you? I've, I've prayed that before. God, come on. I stink at this. Just make it better. And it could, I mean, the same thing happen, you know, applies with physical healing. We got a chronic illness or something. Please, God, just take it away. Please. Um, maybe a relationship problem. Please, God, I, I try to forgive, but man, he's such a stinker. And I I can't forgive the way you want me to. Anyway, we we have this, uh, I had to use this word. This is the best word in the English language. It's conundrum. I love that word. Uh, The conundrum. I had a friend in college used to call it a condumdrum, which maybe is kind of insightful. But there's this conundrum of of good intentions and then life (laughs) actually happening the way it actually happens. And... um, I've heard it said that maybe the Apostle Paul is the greatest Christian psychologist of all time, and that this passage in Romans might be the most insight into the inner person that, that can be found anywhere. As we go on to the passage, we're going to see how, because we don't live lives alone, it's not just about human psychology, it's not just about the, the inner turmoil. A lot of people go through whole, their whole life artistically appreciating the angst, and <laughs> Sometimes it results in cool music and poetry and stuff, but 
we're not made to be alone. Even back in, you know, the first, the first uh, couple, uh, they mess up and God comes around. He, he, always, he always says, Adam, where are you? He, he, he always does. He seeks and saves the lost. So this whole idea of, okay, so come find me and just fix me. Let's make this better. Well, our desire for that comes from, I think there's a, a deep thing inside of us that knows that we need God to make everything right. We need God to fix things and make them right. Well, the good news is he will. In some ways, he already has. The cross brought victory over sin and death. But God's bringing everything together and bringing justice. Um, I think Robin prayed about this, about God's going to make everything right. Justice is going to happen perfectly in our country, in our world, in the universe. Um, Satan doesn't win. But... In God's wisdom and love, and because we, as we're going to see in the passage, are his children and his students, he doesn't usually just snap his finger and fix stuff. When instead, he takes us through this path of learning, and it's gradual, and it's growth, and it's very much like what we see. If you take care of plants or animals, it's very much like that. If you've raised children, it's very much like that. God, just fix them. I don't want to change any more diapers. Surprise, they may still need you to until they're four. We had, we had one heroic child that learned right after his second birthday. It was wonderful, but, but every little kid is different, and their path of learning is different, and God looks down at us and our, our struggle, this conundrum we live in, and, and he's fashioning, here's some education ease. he's fashioning an IEP for each of us. An individualized education plan for each of us. Just like your fingerprint is unique and your iris is unique and your DNA is unique. You are a unique creature and God is, not only did he shape you and form you in your mother's womb to be unique, and, but, but the way your life is playing out is also a unique story. And God is not a, um, he doesn't create robots, he doesn't create widgets, he doesn't stamp us out factory-like. So when I want him to just fix it suddenly, I'm kind of like saying, God, don't do the thing that's better for me. Because what he'd rather do is shape me and have me learn deeply inside out and be, be formed in him in his time. So we're, we're in a pilgrimage here. We're, we're in a walk or a path. And that brings us to the next passage. This the really good news just starts to open up in the next reading. Oh, just read till it stops. Okay. Okay. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So obviously um, a deep study of this passage will have to wait. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry about kind of rushing through, but that's the deal if we're going to do a big passage. Um, but I came up with a teacher way to do a quick summary. And these are my highlights. So there are some other good things in there that just enjoy them on, on your own. But... Um, little Q&A. So who delivers us from our futile and selfish lives, the wretched men that we are? How much condemnation is there for those who are in Christ Jesus? What word is used to depict life in the Spirit? And what two things does God give us as a result of setting our minds on the things of the Spirit? Pretty good news. All right, next reading. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. 
But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, we, I've got another like, call and response for this section. What does God's Spirit say about us? So now what's our name for God? And what is our hope? And who helps us in our weakness and talks with the Heavenly Father for us? It's pretty good news. It gets better. That's just the first three sections. Now we get the love part. Let's pray the third prayer together. It's on the second side of that sheet that is in front of you, and it'll be, it'll be on the screen also. God of all comfort, we are amazed by your love. Immerse us in it. We see how you have surrounded us by your love so that we should be called children of God. Help us steadily want, love one another. Keep teaching us to show and to tell each other that now that we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when Jesus Christ is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Purify us in this hope. May our lives shine with the glory of Jesus. Amen. All right. Becky's a really awesome reader, but I thought I'd give her a break on this next one, so we'll do this on video. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who walk according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who walk according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The mind that is set on the flesh is death. And the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, though your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
if the one, the Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through the Spirit that dwells in you. So brothers, we are debtors, but not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. He has not given us a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He has given us the spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. When we do that, the Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ if we suffer with Him in order that we might be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the whole creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of Him who subjected it in hope that the whole creation will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together like pains of childbirth and not the creation only. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, even we also groan, waiting our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In that hope, we were saved. And who hopes for what he sees? But if you hope for what you do not see, you wait for it with patience. Likewise. The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know all things work together for God. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. What are we going to say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? Who's going to bring him a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, who was raised from the dead. Yes, who is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, we are being killed all day long. We are carried to shoot through slaughter. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just want to bring out um, one little thing from, the, from this, re- this thir- fourth reading, this fourth segment. Um, did you notice in, the, in this last segment we read that Jesus also intercedes for us? So I don't know, I'm not sure how to picture this because I'm trying to picture the Holy Trinity, but um, try to imagine the Heavenly Father, you can put him on a throne or walking in a grand redwood forest or whatever you want, but the, the Heavenly Father himself and the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, hey, David doesn't know, doesn't know how to pray. He's, he's in that conundrum again. And then the, the Spirit speaks with the Father in words that I don't even have exactly what I need. But then here comes Jesus. He's like, uh, Daddy, um, David's struggling over here in this thing, and um, I just w- I want you to I want you to send some help. Jesus is interceding for me also, and it's not just me. It's like it's it's all y'all. <laughs> it's quite a deal. So the eternal, perfect community of love, never in a conundrum, never never too tired never without recourse is talking together about you. Wow, I I mean it's kind of it's kind of beyond the pale. All right, can you put up the beautiful grandbabies again? Okay, so I I am completely ridiculously idiotically gonzo about these two. Um, I don't know if the pictures really capture it. Um, our children torture us with photos and you know videos almost every morning, and we just want to be in Southern California, even though it's Dodgerland, and and it's because like I mean I would take a bullet for those two. I would step in front of a train. I, I don't think that would work, but I would. I mean, and you know what I'm talking about, parents, grandparents. You know what I'm talking about. Do you know how pathetic and feeble our love is compared to God's love? <laughs> so like I would. I would run a thousand miles for Catherine or for Wesley, but that's just, it's, it's beautiful and it's good. And I'm enjoying, I enjoy the love. <laughs> I totally enjoy it. But God just gives us human love and human affection, marital love, paternal love, grandparent love. It's just a little picture to, t- to teach us about his love for us. It's just a little picture it's not even a beginning of, 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 uh, of seeing. And anyway, back to this question of resolution and, and um, what to do about 2020. There's a pretty good chance, just because of the way God wired me, the kind of personality I am, there, there's a pretty good chance that by, by Wednesday night, I'll probably have a little list. 
I'll probably have some stuff in mind that I think David should improve on, get rid of something, add something, um, do some more of something. There's a pretty good chance of that. It's just this year coming into this, um, I'd like to bring, what I'd like to bring to that internal conversation is, is a real curiosity about what God's list is for me. And not in a sense of like, oh, God's got this huge syllabus that he hands out, and I'm going to have to do 2,000 term papers, and I'm going to probably fail the midterm, and the final is going to be excruciating. No, not that kind of a list. It's a kind of a list more like this. I, I, hey, David, um, I've, I've really been there with you throughout your whole life. I was there when you were born. I enjoyed watching you learn to crawl. You know when you were a stinker and used to beat on your brother a lot? I was there. I helped you get over that. I helped you get over your bad temper. I was there when your mom died. When you knew, you knew like no other week in your life that, that I was close. In spite of the death, in spite of the, the horror, you knew I was right there with you. Don't forget that. And I was there when you met Becky. You know that time she said that she sensed me smiling on you? She was right. You should have listened to her better. And 2020, I've got it. And I do have an IEP for you. I do have a, a wonderful plan, and I'd love for you to walk with my spirit into that plan and for it to be as enjoyable as possible. If we can just cooperate together this coming year, uh, th that'll go really well. But anyway, you kind of see the different mind, it's a little different mindset. It's not a punch list of things for me to do or a punch list that I think God is laying on me. It's more, it's like, it's an invitation to a walk. It's an invitation to a journey, to a, a kind of growth. And I really want to bring that mindset this year. And hey, if we're together next Christmas and New Year's, you could ask me how it went. But I'm looking forward to 2020. I want to, I want to know the love of God more than I ever have before. I want to know um, more than I have before that his good intentions for me are what really matters. And, and then hopefully some of my good intentions will just be flowing out of his. That little list I might have on Wednesday night. Hopefully that's the Holy Spirit nudging me. And, and, it, and not a matter of, of law, but absolutely a matter of grace, of God's goodness and provision. So we get to do a wonderful thing now called communion. And this can be a nice dry religious ritual for you, or <laughs> you, there's other options. Uh, um, Jesus said that he is the bread of life and he wants, to, he wants to nourish us with his life. That's something maybe you could think about a little bit um, as you take the bread, um, the, the wine or the grape juice stands for Jesus' blood shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, I think communion can be a great time for us to just do a little business with God. You know, we just don't necessarily want to stand and tell our neighbor at church the things we're really dealing with, but this is a great time you could do that. And Jesus, he just loves to forgive us. Forgive us. It's, it's a, when, we, when, when his lost ones or even floundering ones come back to him, it's just he has parties. 
at times like that. So this communion time could be a time where, where you just take care of some business with God, do the forgiveness thing, but also do the uh, nutrition thing, bring Jesus' life into your life and trust him, believe that he can be your life and that his spirit can lead you in the kind of walk that makes life joyful and peaceful. All right, I think our practice is just to come up and, uh, I don't know, what, I forget, Rob said, can you take care of it? And then I forgot what words I'm supposed to say. <laughs> you guys know what to do. We go either way, take the bread and the cup. You can pray together on the side if you want, or you can take it back to your seat.